everyone, and welcome back to The Van Maren Show. Today, I want to take a look at a subject that may be disturbing to some people. I want to warn everybody up front, but those of you who have read my work in the past, whether it be my columns here at LifeSite News, whether it be my columns on socially conservative issues elsewhere, or my 2016 book, The Culture War, will know that I'm very interested in the way the different manifestations of the sexual revolution intersect with each other. How, when you legalize abortion, you kill off the generation that will support the elderly, and then, of course, right on schedule, you end up legalizing euthanasia. Uh, the way pornography fuels sex trafficking, creates rape culture. All of these are subjects that I've dealt with in depth before. But I've been working lately on my uh, new book. It's it's a sequel to The Culture War, not an update to The Culture War, because so much has happened uh, since The Culture War was published in 2016. Uh, not all of it bad, but as any regular reader of this site will know, plenty of it, of course, is bad. And I've been looking at a variety of different topics, and one of them that I won't deal with in depth in the book, but that I still think is very worth taking a look at, is the way that violent pornography is playing a role in the transgender debate and that violent porn specifically is actually making some girls identify as transgender. Now, this might seem a very strange claim to make for those uh, who are probably quite blessedly unfamiliar with the research surrounding uh, what drives people to identify as transgender, but also uh, the way pornography is transforming the landscape that young people are growing up in. But I'll back up a little bit. Uh, most of you, um, I've heard from many of you that you watched the 2022 documentary released by the Daily Wire called What is a Woman? Uh, this film featured uh, conservative commentator Matt Walsh exploring that question, what is a woman, through a whole bunch of different interviews and on-the-ground reporting, even with trans activists. I was very surprised at how many trans activists actually agreed to sit down with him. And the result of the documentary was uh, several-fold. Trans activists, of course, were incredibly outraged. The film was reviewed by basically no mainstream press or mainstream news organization. But when it was aired as well on Twitter, the documentary ended up accumulating 177 million views on that platform within a week, which even if you adjust for the sort of shoddy metrics that make it difficult to tell how much of the documentary people watched, still makes it one of the most successful documentaries of all time. Now, Walsh's film, of course, could only skim the surface of the transgender debate. A 2023 Pornhub press release, interestingly, noted that, quote, transgender is now the thirds, the site's, pardon me, third most watched popular category. And there was a really fascinating article written by Michael Warren Davis, who's written some beautiful things on, on conservatism and culture, observed that this means, quote, Statistically, the huge majority of Republican men are watching transgender porn. And this interest isn't necessarily organic. An investigation released in December revealed that Pornhub actively pushes gay and transgender pornography to help kids find their, quote, kink and to shape their sexual attitudes. 
there's plenty of evidence that digital pornography plays a key role in metastasizing sexual identities and proclivities. I've covered some of this research elsewhere, but there's a lot of evidence to indicate that people who feel a certain attraction, but may, for example, feel multiple different kinds of attractions, may have sexual desires they find confusing, or even sexual desires they don't want to have, will find those desires entrenched, encouraged, and even uh, metamorphosed by watching porn consistently. And that uh, interesting bunch of news that kind of came out simultaneously, Pornhub's press release mentioning that transgender porn was their most popular category, which as Michael Warren Davis disturbingly points out, means that a lot of allegedly conservative people are watching this kind of pornography, and statistically he's right, as shocking as that might be, but then also the revelations that Pornhub executives were deliberately targeting young people with LGBT themed pornography for the purpose of grooming their sexual desires. There's a whole bunch of different stories that we could look at there. Uh, there were some people who said, well, they just want to shape their sexual desires because they're pro-LGBT. I'm not convinced that the carnivorous predators over at Pornhub really care how people identify. I think that their motive is sexual chaos produces people who watch more porn, and more porn means more money. Um, so I just don't think they really care. But there is, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, a very important aspect of the porn to transgender pipeline that has been almost entirely ignored. There are a number of, of essays and commentaries that have been released recently, as well as podcasts discussing the porn to transgender pipeline. There are some aspects of that research that are frankly so disgusting, I won't write about it, I won't even read it in depth, and I certainly won't be discussing it here on this podcast. But the porn to transgender pipeline that I mentioned earlier, which is the way violent pornography pushes girls towards identifying as male, is one that I think is interesting and one that I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of in the coming years. Because for millions of young people, as I've said many times on this podcast, masculinity and femininity are being defined by online porn. And this is having profound and ugly consequences. Again, anybody who reads my column or regularly listens to this podcast will have a decent idea of what that looks like. Porn addiction is now ubiquitous among young people, and we've basically got a generation that has grown up with their view of sexuality shaped by extreme and violent content found on major porn sites such as the aforementioned Pornhub. And this has created an increasingly toxic sexual environment in which sexual violence has been normalized as the result. Now, I want to emphasize that point for a moment because I still find uh, that people find it difficult to believe how much violent pornography is being consumed, and they also find it very difficult to believe that violent pornography, which is mainstream pornography on the front page of any major porn site you click on, is actually shaping the tastes of young people, even inside Christian communities. So let me uh, buttress that point for a moment just to make the case. A 2019 study from the Archives of Sexual Behavior found that teenage boys exposed to violent pornography are two to three times more likely to victimize girls. 
two to three times more likely to victimize girls. Uh, Dame Rachel D'Souza, who is the Children's Commissioner of England, recently warned that porn-inspired sexual violence is on the rise even among children. I have a whole section on that horrifying phenomenon in my uh, upcoming book. I will never forget the girl who told me about her first kiss with her boyfriend, age 12, who had strangled her, D'Souza told the Daily Mail. He had seen it in pornography and thought it was normal. Now, the only thing more disturbing than that is that boy wasn't wrong. It is increasingly normal, and a new new UK report indicates that, quote, nearly half of all girls aged 16 to 21 say they've had a partner expect sex to involve physical aggression such as slapping and choking, end quote. The normalization of sexual violence is the culture-wide consequence of men and boys essentially imagining themselves as the aggressor in millions upon millions of porn scenes. Because we don't think in moral terms or ideological terms or even scientific terms. People think generally in terms of stories. And pornography is one of the primary storytellers that is being consumed by young people these days to the tune of often hours a week. And pornography tells a very potent story. And the story that pornography tells is that to be a man is to be a sexual aggressor. It's to engage in sexually violent uh, acts that would once have been considered assault, but are now considered increasingly normal. It says that what it means to be a woman is to be the recipient of this abuse, that you need to enjoy it, that no matter what is going on, these things are to be expected. Consider just a couple of facts, and again, the reason I'm emphasizing academic studies here is because it's really important to recognize that this isn't just somebody who was given too many porn presentations to too many teenagers and has heard too many terrifying stories and that I'm cherry-picking a handful of anecdotes to make a case that may be actually happening on a much smaller scale than I claim, that my lens might be distorted from hearing from too many people who are affected by this. So I really want to lay out the academic research to buttress my claim. A British study found that 44% of boys between the ages of 11 and 16 who viewed pornography, said that porn gave the ideas about sex acts that they wanted to try. So in other words, it's monkey see, monkey do. They're watching it in pornography, and understandably, they want to watch it after this. And keep in mind that their brains are being rewired because they're arousing themselves to this kind of material. That, of course, is the point of consuming this material. It's actually strengthening their arousal and attraction to certain sex acts, and they consequently want to try those things in real life. There's a lot of people who claim porn is just fantasy. You don't need to worry about it. But that's an idiotic and moronic point to make because we we don't have separate brains for fantasy and reality. And especially the way pornography activates the brain, the brain is not discerning that this is fantasy and is not something that you should be attracted to. Um, even if your, your, your conscience and your moral sense is telling you that this is something you should be repelled by. A 2016 study found that 53% of 11 to 16-year-old boys and 39% of 11 to 16-year-old girls said that they believed that pornography was a realistic depiction of sex. 39% of 11 to 16-year-old girls, it's a very important number, said that they believed that pornography was a realistic depiction of sex. 
A 2021 study found that one out of every eight porn videos shown to first-time users on porn homepages feature acts of sexual violence. This is something that I've been saying for years now. Because I'm afraid that most people, when they imagine porn and think, oh, my kid looks at porn, their reaction is, oh, they're seeing pictures of naked people. No, nope, that's that's a long time ago. That's pre-internet pornography. That is not what kids are seeing now. Another 2021 study found that 24.5% of young adults cited pornography as the most helpful resource for learning how to have sex. When you consider the fact that the vast majority of young people, uh, the number of young people who aren't looking at pornography in most places is at this point negligible, uh, are, are consuming this kind of pornography, I think that you can infer the cultural consequences, especially having heard that data. As so to summarize that again and to kind of put a bow on it, girls and boys are now coming of age in a dating landscape shaped by pornography. Sexual violence has become normative not just for adults copycatting digital porn and sexual entertainment such as Fifty Shades of Grey, but for minors and for children as well. And much of the sexual violence that occurs in our society is now simply part of the way men and women and boys and girls treat each other. And much of this behavior now takes place in the ever-growing gray zone between consent, crime, and coercion. Let me give you one really potent example, just to once again uh, assure you that I'm not exaggerating, although I really wish that I was just exaggerating for effect. Uh, in 2019, a report in The Atlantic magazine, which is a liberal magazine, noted a sharp rise in the practice of choking during sex, with 24% of American women reporting that they felt fear during intimacy as a result. Considering how, consider how large that number is for a moment. 24% of American women reported that they felt fear during intimacy as the result of porn-inspired choking. A 2021 survey published by The Insider revealed that one in three female undergrads, one in three between the ages of 18 and 24 at a major American university, reported being choked the last time they had sex. And 58% of female college students said they'd been choked by a partner with almost 65% reporting that it had occurred during their first sexual or kissing encounter. According to this study, the practice is so common among Gen Zers that most don't even discuss it. And in fact, there are sex-positive comedians. Uh, one, uh, one example I'm thinking of in the UK who actually joke about this, but in interviews in which they are very much not joking, talk about how terrifying it is that choking, to the point of blacking out often, is now simply part of the dating landscape, and that most women are just expected to go along with this behavior, because again, pornography has normalized it. It's not considered to be sexually violent the way we would have, you know, even 10 years ago. Some of these phenomenon are very, very new. When I wrote The Culture War in 2016, I had two chapters on pornography, one on the porn plague and its effects, and a second chapter just on how pornography was creating a rape culture. And there was almost nothing on choking at that point. I don't think, I'd have to go back and check, but I don't think I even mentioned it in the book. And yet now it's so common, again, that according to this study, Gen Zers don't even discuss it. Now what does that mean? This means that for millions of girls and boys, the answer to the question, what is a woman?, is coming from Pornhub. 
In that context, it is not difficult to see why many girls would see their femininity as a net negative, something likely to make them the target of unwanted sexual attention and abuse. Now, myself and several other educators um, who speak regularly to young people on pornography were talking about this years ago already. When the transgender phenomenon came up, I remember having a discussion uh, with one of my uh, fellow educators, somebody who also uh, does a lot of work on the anti-porn file, and he... I remember him commenting, looking at some of the data about the skyrocketing number of young girls who are identifying as male and saying, you know, based on what I've heard and based on what young girls are going through, I wouldn't want to be a girl either. I'd want to identify as anything except for the victims in those porn videos. I'd want to identify as whoever I needed to to not be the subject of abuse that is now considered standard. Because again, this is a question that Matt Walsh didn't address in his question, what is a woman? He was trying to, of course, drive at the biological scientific definition of a woman that is now denied by the transgender movement. And this is not a critique uh, of his documentary, because I think he focused on one point and did it really well. But the reality is that when you ask the question, what is a woman? The answers that people give to that question are very, very interesting, because they have a lot to do with why people would want to not be a woman. And Abigail Schreier mentions this in her essential 2020 book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. I interviewed her on this podcast when that book came out. And when she noted that sexual torture is becoming common in mainstream pornography, she quotes Sasha Ayad, a therapist who co-authored the book last year, uh, When Kids Say They're Trans. Quote, and this is directly from Schreier's book, In my experience, the kids that I work with are pretty often freaked out by porn, Ayad told Schreier of the adolescent girls she sees in her practice. In some cases, you know, porn did play a big role in their new adopted identity. And here Schreier adds something that myself and my colleagues had thought years ago. If you have trouble seeing the appeal of transgender life, consider that the typical dating life available to young women today doesn't look as great as it used to be. This culture makes it hard to imagine why anyone would want to be a girl. A mother going by Jennifer, which is not her real name, she remained uh, anonymous because she didn't want to be mobbed online by trans activists, concurred with this view in a 2021 article for the Substack newsletter, Parents with Inconvenient Truths About Trans, or PIT for short. I wrote a review of the Substack over at First Things if you're interested, but if anybody wants to get regular missives from the front lines of the transgender wars, and I advise you only to do this if you have a strong stomach, this Substack is essential reading because essentially every single uh, post is written by the mother or father or relative of somebody who is identifying as trans, and the description of their experiences are incredibly powerful and give you a glimpse into the way that the transgender movement is absolutely tearing apart families. But she wrote a column back in 2021 titled, Mother Warns of Influence of Pornography on Gender Identity Among Youth. And in this column, she describes that when her daughter began to identify as transgender, Jennifer began searching for clues as to why. And when she started to research her daughter's online activity, she discovered that it included a horrifying diet of perverse and degrading pornography containing many sexually violent themes. And again, this does not mean that Jennifer's daughter was abnormal. This is the kind of pornography a lot of kids are sharing and that a lot of kids are watching. 
And as Jennifer told the feminist media outlet Redux, which comments on gender ideology and its cultural implications, quote, I think pornography is one of the biggest components in all of this. These young girls are exposed to pornography and they don't want to be on the receiving end of what they see. They don't want to be on the receiving end of what they see. Now, as I said, I've been speaking on the issue of pornography for over 10 years now, and I can attest to the fact that many, many girls are terrified of what they see in pornography. Because in the videos they encounter, women are virtually always subjected to grotesque maltreatment and even frequently torture. As this pervasive digital rape culture has bled into their reality, it makes sense that some girls would react to these new sexual expectations by simply rejecting the female identity. And I think it's really significant to note here that a huge number of the girls in the last couple of years uh, who are deciding that they no longer want to identify as girls, that they don't want to become women, that they want to reject the female category, aren't actually necessarily transitioning into boys, although there was a huge surge in that a couple of years ago, and this is still very much a big problem, especially girls uh, taking testosterone and beginning transition. There's a growing number of girls who are embracing androgyny and identifying as, quote, non-binary. Um, non-binary, for those of you who don't mean, uh, know, uh, just means somebody who identifies as outside the male-female binary. Uh, they often use they-them pronouns, but basically what they're saying is, no, I'm not a woman, I'm not a girl, but I'm not a boy, I'm not a man either, I'm just something else. I'm just, I, I reject these categories. And you have to ask yourself why so many people would reject those particular categories. Why would so many of them decide to identify uh as something that just isn't what they are. The inescapable conclusion to anybody looking at the research is that many don't actually want to transition into boys. They simply do not want to be girls. And who can blame them? Because despite all the girl boss rhetoric and feminism and increasing widespread opportunities for girls, girls now outpace boys on almost everything, especially when it comes to grades, when it comes to university education. Uh, girls should, by the numbers, be doing really, really well. In fact, there was an entire book written on the subject by Hannah Rosen a couple of years ago called uh, The Rise of uh, the End of Men and the Rise of Women that basically made the case that feminism had created a society in which women were essentially they were on the rise. But despite all of this, adults have permitted a sick, pornified digital world to be built up around the upcoming generations that sends them very, very different messages. You might be able to attain anything professionally or academically, but at the end of the day, when it boils down to your relationships with other people, when it boils down to intimacy itself, what you're going to find out is that the most prominent culture caricature of what it looks like to be a woman, what it looks like to be a girl, is to endure horrifying, degrading, and abusive behavior perpetrated on you. Many of the mainstream porn videos, this has been exposed by groups like Exodus Cry, don't even involve sex anymore. They simply involve a woman often dressed like a young girl because of the perverse push towards pedophilia and the barely legal category simply being tortured. The entire point of these videos is for people to arouse themselves to the sight of a young woman in pain. And young girls are entering adolescence in a landscape that has been shaped by this pornography. And the playing field 
just to be very blunt, kind of resembles a 21st century sexual hunger games. And some of them, and perhaps many of them, are looking around and deciding they just don't want to play anymore. Now, I know this is a very complicated issue, and there are many, many reasons for the growing rejection of femininity in our culture, uh, feminism being one of them. Obviously, peer pressure and social contagion play huge roles in why so many people are uh, ad adopting these identities en masse. Uh, a lot of my research also indicates that as I have said in other essays and other articles that right now to identify as LGBT also just makes you cool and interesting and to identify as straight and heterosexual makes you boring. And in fact, if you're the kind of person who struggles socially or has other, um, you know, kind of awkward issues, right now the, the, the fastest ticket to be praised and told you're special and told um, that you're incredibly brave and courageous and to attract positive attention is to identify as LGBT, especially at school. And as a result, there are many entire social groups who are identifying as basically anything except for what they are. But I do think that as more research comes out, we're going to see increasingly uh, that young girls are also deciding to reject femininity because of what our culture tells them femininity is all about. One of the answers to the question of why are so many girls rejecting being girls is certainly the perverse and vile answer our, quote, adult entertainment gives to the question, what is a woman? The answer that our culture is giving to the question, what is a woman, is a truly horrifying one. And it is something that we need very much to wake up to. This issue affects almost every aspect of young people growing up. And I know that I beat this drum a lot, but I'm assuming that if you've made it this far in this podcast, that you also think that this is an important drum to beat and it's very important to understand what is happening. Because if there was any other, if there was any other substance that kids were consuming to the extent that they are consuming pornography, we would be asking serious questions about the impact of pornography. And as I said in a previous podcast, I do think that the public discussion on pornography is changing. And I do think that there is an increasing social recognition of what pornography does. But I don't think that it's happening fast enough. I am definitely encouraged by some of these results. Uh, very recently, the prosecutor general of France after a major study into the impact that pornography has on young people advocated for simply prosecuting the porn studios uh, that are producing this stuff and called it hate speech against women because of the acts that are being inflicted on women. And I hope that the French government takes him up on this. The difficulty with tackling the porn industry to the extent that's necessary to start reversing these cultural trends and reversing these horrifying cultural tropes is, of course, that so many people are impl um, implicated. All right, a majority of, of, of religious leaders in many denominations have openly admitted to pollsters that they struggle with pornography or look at pornography regularly. And so we have to recognize collectively and culturally that the impact of pornography is such that it's simply time to make pornography illegal. And I've, I've written commentary on this. It would be very possible to ban pornography in Canada. The laws uh, that would allow us to do so are already on the books. It would just require the proper interpretation and the will to do so. Uh, the same thing is true for the United States. The laws necessary to get rid of porn are, in fact, already on the books. And the same thing is true for many European countries. We need to look at the reality 
that so many girls do not want to identify as girls, that so many girls do not want to become women and ask ourselves, why is this happening? And until now, that question has been almost entirely ignored by nearly everybody because we're just supposed to celebrate anybody coming out as they really are. We're supposed to celebrate their new identity. We're supposed to be affirming of any claims to transgenderism. We're supposed to ignore all of those who have desisted, all of the detransitioners, and pretend that they basically don't exist. But if we were a serious culture, and if we were willing to seriously ask questions that need answers, if we are to look at the sheer rate of girls now who are not only identifying as transgender, saying that they're not female but male, but that they're simply something else, that they're simply not women, that they're not girls, that they reject the aspects of their bodies that make them feminine to begin with, if we were serious, we would ask why. And I am certain, based on the evidence that I've seen, based on the things that I've uh, researched, based on the people that I've talked to, some of which I've laid out in this podcast, that one of the answers to that would be that pornography is offering the majority of young people the answer to the question, what is a woman? It's disgusting, it's a shame, and I really do think that the time is far past that we took the radical step, or the not-so-radical step, actually, I'll correct myself there, of simply making pornography illegal, which is far more possible than most people would admit. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you find this helpful. I know that nobody who listened to this all the way through will have found it enjoyable. Um, do leave a comment if you did find it helpful and let me know how and why. And if you'd like to hear other content like this, if you'd like to hear uh, cutting-edge research from the front lines of the culture wars, please do head over to lifesightnews.com, click on the podcast tab, and you can find uh, uh, our podcast wherever you get your content. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll listen again next week.